and I realized for some of you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you. I, I actually wrote a cheat sheet on the merge um, at one point to try and help people. Whoa, there we go. To help people process some things. Many times when people see things that are happening around them, they're going, oh, this is confusing. Actually, in the merges we had, we welcomed the children. The children would be playing, and people would say, oh, you got to make them behave. They need to be right by you behaving. And the Lord was very clear. He said, actually, he said, the Scripture teaches this. Unless you become like a child, you'll never inherit the kingdom of heaven. You must become like a child. And so the Lord taught us that the children actually were the ones who were going to teach us. And children play. We don't make them behave so that when they're teenagers, they leave. And we want nothing to do with God. They play with their cars. They play with their dolls. And one night, the kids were running around in single file around the whole room people were like whoa whoa and somebody snapped the picture and there were fiery angels on either side they were actually going through a real fire tunnel seriously the kids was it awkward was it uncomfortable oh people would say oh I, I, it was too disruptive it was too distracting I couldn't I couldn't engage I want you to understand something these gatherings have they're not for you They're for Jesus. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. It's kind of like going to, you know, having your own birthday party and somebody complains about the birthday party you got. It's not, it's not their birthday party. And Jesus loves joy. And Jesus, I realize for some that's like, oh yeah, but he's not the author of confusion. This is not confusing to God. It might be to you, but it's not to him. He's a daddy. Aren't you glad that your daddy, maybe he did, I hope he didn't, but aren't you glad that your daddy didn't make you sit in straight back chairs in your living room in a row and be quiet all night long? Aren't you glad that your daddy didn't say, now this is the place where you're going to find me, is in this room in nice rows where everybody's quiet and still and I'll come stand in front of you. Are you with me? If the kingdom is anything, it's family. If the kingdom is not family, we have no understanding of really who God is. We want all the importance. We want all the titles. We want all the pomp. But actually, it's only for a few who get the recognition. The reality is, is God says, this is my body. And I'm the king. And your king loves you. Jesus honor you because you're good Lord that's not just simplicity that's truth it's amazing how good you are and Lord tonight tonight Lord you're good here Lord we honor you we honor you we honor you we honor you we love you we love you we love you Those of you who have your hand on somebody, just stay in this place just for a second. You have your hand on somebody.
See, we've missed it. We've missed it in, in worship. We've, we've come to this expression that worship is vertical. It's me and God. But actually in 1 John it says, if I love my brother, I love God. If I don't love my brother, I really don't love God. So the expression outward is as valuable and critical as the expression upward. See, sometimes we just become safe because we might have issues all around us, but it's like, oh, but we can just zone here. But Papa says, oh, but bring me all. Let the children come to me. Let them all come. come. Lord, I'm asking tonight that in this room, Lord, people would experience not only the love horizontally or vertically, Lord, from heaven to us and not just us to heaven, but Father, that you would birth in this place and birth in our region something, Lord, that that the world has been longing for, that they would know that we have love for one another that we would be one even as you and the Father are one. Lord, that was your desire. Your desire, your dream is that we become one, that we fall in love with each other. And I'm asking, Lord, tonight that people would experience just a glimpse of that. Yeah. grew up in a home where wow probably wasn't until the late 80s or early 90s so I was pretty well grown up by that time but where my dad actually could say I love you son he was just taught differently he was taught that that kind of expression is reserved for things and I was his son Papa wants us to learn in the body of Christ not how to say words that say I love you but actually to mean with the words I'm so in love with the body of Christ I'm so in love with the people that are here I don't I know some of you've got some things happening in your life and it's not about the things that are happening in your life it's this love I know that when we express love for each other, we show we love God. Amen. Does anybody in here know um, Randy Minard? Anybody? Who does? My wife. (laughs) My wife and Dan. We are really... So Randy was from Vermont. He moved down south, found out that he really was not a southern redneck. Did you ever... Randy thought he was a redneck. No joke. I'm dead serious. He was like, I need to go down south because I'm, I'm the most redneck Vermontan I know. And he thought it would just be fun for him. It wasn't all that fun, but it was a good training time for him. <laughs> So anyway, so the Lord 
opened up a door for him in the easternmost part of the United States, in Maine, like right by the Canadian border, like out there, long way from here. I can't even remember the name of the town. Franklin, is that right? Franklin, Maine. It's like Booneyville, Maine. It makes the boonies feel like city. <laughs> and he wrote me, he just said, hey, pray for me. Now, one of the things about Randy, actually pretty close to you, how far is, uh, how far is um, faith from here? Yeah. About an hour? I was in a meeting with Randy and his wife, Jeanette, and this is back a number of years ago, probably seven years ago now. And, um, and I looked at Jeanette, and um, I said, a year from now, you're going to have a baby. And um, she began, because they were a little older when they got married, and, you know, they just, that wasn't something that they were really thinking was going to happen, because at that juncture, it couldn't happen, and uh, for various reasons. And anyway, she got pregnant, and... Um, they called me all excited. We're going to have a baby. And uh, I was like, yay. And in, um, in about the beginning of the third trimester, they lost the baby. And they didn't call me because they were kind of embarrassed that I missed it or something. That somehow they failed. It's amazing how people respond to things that are difficulties in their life. And, um, and so they didn't call me. But I had to call him a few weeks later. And uh, because I needed a bass player for something I was doing somewhere, I can't even remember anymore. So I called him and he said, oh, ho- hold on a second. He got his wife, uh, Jeanette, on um, and they were on speakerphone and, and he just said, we lost the baby. And uh, this is probably now they, they had lost the baby probably three and a half, something like that weeks before. I need to, I need to clarify some things with Randy. Because uh, I, I have so many stories inside, I keep getting mixed up. But it was, it was enough to know that they had gone to the doctor. The doctor had um, made sure she was cleaned out, everything. And they lost the baby. And um, on the phone, I just said, Isaiah will live. He will not die. And they began weeping. They said, they said that was what we were going to call him. I said, he will live and not die. Well, within about a week, week and a half, something like that, she began feeling something happening inside of her, and she was a little bit like, what's going on? Went to the doctor, and the doctor said, this is impossible. Said, this is uh, the same child. There's the same due date, everything. This is whatever. So anyway, so Randy... Randy, has, yeah, I mean, I wasn't sharing that actually for that story. I was sharing just to kind of give you a frame of reference. Papa takes you through things. And the reason he takes you through things is because he absolutely has purpose and destiny for you. So Randy's down south. He's in the Atlanta, greater Atlanta area, huge, somewhere near there. I think it was in Rome, Georgia, actually. That's not even Atlanta. But he just, they were dying. And he gets this 
response. So it's amazing what you'll say yes to when you're dying. You know, it's like, you know, you want to say yes to the cruise ship coming by. You mean I get to captain that? Until you're dying. Then it's like, oh, is this a rubber dinghy? I'll take it. <laughs> Whatever it is, God, you're bringing it. I'm happy. Canoe, that's fine. I might be in the middle of the ocean, but it's sure better than nothing out here. And, um, and we always invented, envision the cruise ship or the, the great speedboat or the great yacht. You know, I'm just using that as, a, as an analogy. We, we think that, you know, when God has called us to something incredible, we think, oh, this is it. And I'll be able to tell right away when God shows up and says, this is your ministry. This is what I've called you to. And we go, yeah. And God sends you a dinghy. Or a canoe. And it's rusty. It's not even pretty. (laughs) So Randy gets this call. We need a pastor. So he calls me. He goes, would you ordain me? And And he said, actually, he says, you did. I said, oh, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, back in... In 2006, in Vermont, we, we ordained over 500 people. The whole, the whole conference, we ordained them all. And um, I'll explain to you in a second why. And um, he said, could I really get papers for that? I said, no problem, Randy, you got them. No sweat, I remember doing that. So he calls me a few days ago. He called, couldn't get through, so he sends me this text. My son's going through all this stuff. I won't go into all the details of that. And then he says, thank you for praying. Things are better. With Isaiah, something had happened with his son. Incidentally, what you have to understand is that every word of God is tested. It is not valuable unless it's tested. It's not gold until it can go through fire. You understand that? And so the reality is, is God gives you things and and then he goes, yeah, but I'm giving you this, but you need to understand that it's probably going to have some challenges along the way. He says, please continue to pray. We love it in Maine, but the enemy doesn't like us here in ministry. And I wrote, that's good. You wouldn't be in the right place if the enemy wanted you there. We become so, we're looking for safety and security and peace and nothing coming against me. Everything's positive. I can be positive about this. Some things are not all that positive when you go through them. I'm going to read you a verse. You all know this verse very well. When all hell breaks against you, be grateful. You know where I am? You have no clue. When the bottom drops out and the sky falls in, be thankful. When it seems that difficult people, places, and circumstances are either chasing you or rejecting you, be overflowing with joy. 
You have actually captured the attention of Father God. Anybody know where this is yet? You've actually captured the attention of Father God who's been looking for someone that wants to carry endurance all the way through like Jesus. You have been singled out for the perfecting process that will reveal the evidence of Jesus in you who didn't lack anything and you won't lack anything either. That's James 1, 2 through 4. It's one of the most incredible passages of Scripture. But tonight I want to share something with you. There are th- people say, how did, you, how did this begin for you? How did you begin traveling? And you, here, there's, it, It's the easiest, easiest lesson I can give to you. Ready? I want you to repeat this word after me. Start. See, the release of the kingdom all begins with start. Most of us in the charismatic world, we, we, we want to get great words of knowledge from people. We want good prophetic words. Anybody in here want that? One person was honest and one in the back. You couldn't even see them raise their hand. Thank you. I promise you tonight you'll get one. Okay, no, I'm teasing. But maybe I'm not teasing. We all want prophetic words. And then we get prophetic words and we put them on a CD or some of us, some of us on cassette tapes and some of us eight tracks. I'm really, some, some of you young ones are going, what's an eight track? Oh, now it's cell phone. That's right. Or you have them all listed in a file on your cell phone. Do you know what the most used camera is in the world? The iPhone. It's more used than any camera in the world now. Wow. So, yes, you're right. Forget, forget the, uh, what did I say, CDs? What's a CD? Some of you are going, what's a CD? <laughs> Everything I have is digital, man. <laughs> it's download. And what we do is we listen to them over and over and over. We have them memorized usually within um, a few weeks of listening to it over and over and over. So we know everything that's said, even the nuances of the prophetic voice. We know exactly when there <clears throat> is. We know. <laughs> we can repeat it. We almost can use the accent to say exactly the way they said it. I can tell you about some prophetic words I had eons ago. I can almost do the female voice, but I'm not going to right now. <laughs> but crazy words. That, and we listen to them over and over, and we go, Lord, you made this promise. You made this promise. This is what you told me. This is what's going to happen. This is yes, yes, yes. And we keep saying yes, 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 yes. And we think it's adequate to say yes, and we think it's adequate to have received a word. And so everybody wants to train everybody to to give words. So everybody can give a word today in the church. It's amazing to me. I'm being really honest. 
I'm not taking anything away because God wants you all to prophesy. He wants you to be prophetic, but he doesn't want you to be pathetic. It's truth. He's not wanting you to, to give words that, that everybody in the room would know. Well, that's true. We all know that. That's general theology. We all know. Uh, did you know Jesus loves you? He's like, hello. <laughs> Died. Went through everything for me. I know Jesus loves me. But if somebody's ready to take their life and you speak that and it's a word of life to them at that moment, it's the Lord. I understand that. But the reality is, is we've become accustomed to that which is rarely supernatural. It's encouragement. It's nice. It's theologically accurate. But Papa wants to release things that go beyond that. And, um, and we listen to these words over and over, and we believe they're going to happen. But I want to recall to you the words of Paul, who in Romans understood actually what it was that God called him to. See, let me explain something. When you get knocked off your horse and are given a prophetic word, it is not about all of a sudden you, you turning it over to God and say, God, now do this. God gave him a directive, said, I want you to go to this city. Somebody's going to meet you there. It was a very prophetic event, crazy event. He, meet, he meets um, Ananias. Ananias um, heals him and begins teaching him about Jesus. And at that point, he's like, I got, I got, to, I got to learn more. I need to know. I need to know not just the, the rabbinical things I knew, the things that I knew as, as a part of uh, uh, as being a Pharisee. I need to know the things of God. And I can only find that around other people who are in the things of God. I can't learn that any other way, but I need to learn it. It was, it was actually the, the thing that I did in my own life. When I began recognizing the supernatural was real, I was like, I've got to figure this thing out. So in my day, I did listen to cassette tapes, and I listened to 90 hours of John Wimber twice, teaching on healing. I still, to this day, remember many of the stories he shared there. They were amazing. Christianity through the ages and the healing that's happened. Healing through Martin Luther. Healing through Francis of Assisi. When Francis died, they literally were trying to pull parts of his body off because it was still healing people. Wow. History and, and just through the ages and different things and, 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 and amazing things. And so I learned. But, but, but one of the things he said, he says, he says you're going to learn how to do this. And they called them kinships back then. It's basically a home group. You're going to learn how to do this there. You can practice. It's okay. So I was like, fine. I'm going to go learn. I'm going to go do it. I don't want to just hear it. I'm sick of hearing. Anybody sick of hearing? You know, we all watch the YouTubes, we all hear, and we hear these awesome stories. We go, wow, and we're going, I got to hear that. And we, we put ourselves over and over and over in situations where we're hearing the word but not doing it. And there is no blessing in hearing. You need to hear that. There is no blessing in hearing. There's only blessing in doing. Blessed are those who hear and do my word. That hearing is not adequate. It doesn't ma- mean if you've been in the company of the righteous and the, the anointed and the amazing, you're not blessed. Unless you do what it is that the Spirit of God has told you to do. And so I go to this home group and I'm like, man, I, I want to learn how to get words of knowledge. I've heard about these things and, you know, 
It's, I, I got to get them. And so I'm going to learn here. So they went through worship and came to the time where it was time, because according to the cassette tape, after worship is when they give words and honor. So I thought, great, I'm right there at the end of worship. This, I'm going to hear supernatural. Anybody ever want to hear like, you're just in that mode, like, ha, ah, something supernatural is going to happen. Can't wait for the supernatural part. Yeah, the message is good. Yeah, that part's good. But I really want the supernatural. Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. That's good. So I was ready. Come on. Bring it. So I, I'm, I'm there. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is where it happens. And the guy goes, okay, pick up your Bibles. Or if you have, you know, get your Bibles and... Pretty much in those days, everybody had their Bible with them. And he says, we're going to study. I went, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I listened to tapes by your pastor. And he said, now is when people get words of knowledge. His name's Greg. He's a friend, to, a friend of mine to this day. And, I, and he said, uh, I said, I want, I want how, how does this happen? And Greg goes, anybody got a word? Nobody responded. Nobody responded. Greg looks at me and goes, you got a word? I'm like, I'm here to learn. This is where it's supposed to happen. Just going to hold something out to you for a second. Anybody in here been told you're going to raise the dead? Okay. Anybody in here been told you're going to preach before hundreds and thousands of people? All right. We'll get there. I'm here to learn. And I went, I don't know. Does somebody here have receding gums? And as soon as I said that, I went, that is stupid. I am a, I'm like, <laughs> trying to figure out how old I am. I'm 24 years old, 20, 23 years old, and I'm receding gums? What's that, baldness of the mouth? What's a receding gum? That's like stupid, dumb, dumb, dumb. Nobody responded. So there's this long wait. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to, trying to focus on the Bible study, but everything inside me goes, you idiot. These people are all looking at you like he can't hear from God. Stupid, I did receding gums. The meeting ends. I'm getting ready to leave. And this kid, 19, just a few years younger than me, he comes up to me and goes, I've, um, I've been away at college. I go to Liberty. 
and uh, came home on, on break, and my mom made me go to the dentist. And the dentist said I had receding gums and that they were going to have to lacerate my gums in order to have them grow over my teeth. And he said, would you pray for me? I said, no. I said, I'm about ready to punch you. You made me look like an idiot. But I prayed for him and he was healed. And for eight months, eight months, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, you get in the picture, eight months. Every week. Every week. I would go into this group, and I'm, I'm expecting somebody to teach me the better way of getting a word knowledge. And nobody had a word knowledge. And so everybody just looks at me like, you got one? I give the word of knowledge. No one. In eight months, in eight months, no one. Not one, not even a, not even like, I think maybe me. No, nothing like that. I've had that, you know, it's like, it could be me. You know, I know you said right knee, but it's left knee. It, it wasn't even like anything like that. There was nothing close, no responses. And they, you know, ladies, we want you to go upstairs. Guys, stay down here. And it was a lady. I told her, yeah, remember that word he had? Yeah, it was me. Did I get any credit? Never. I was like, Lord, you know, come on. <laughs> After eight months, I said, Lord, what's the deal? I said, this is ruining my reputation. I never had one to begin with. <laughs> he says, this has nothing to do with your reputation. This has to do with my love for them. And then, finally, people began responding. I was like, thank you, God. Thank you. Why am I sharing that? Because the Apostle Paul said this. He said, God gave me a vision. And he says, I proceeded to fulfill that vision. I preached the gospel in all of Asia Minor. Yes, I went through beatings. I went through all stonings. I was left for dead. I, I, I was shipwrecked. I went through all this hell in my life. But I want you to know I never quit, and I kept going. In fact, when he was stoned and left for dead outside the city, after he recovers, he gets back up from a stoning and goes back in the city. Let me tell you what it means to start. It means to listen to that word and say, what does it say I'm going to do? Because I'm going to begin doing it. Because I'm going to begin pulling on what, once, what is supposed to happen, and it's going to happen now. It's the story of Jesus, and, and his, you know, remember when his disciples drank all the wine? Did I say that? Remember the wedding in Cana? Disciples drank it all. That was really the issue. And so Mary's looking at Jesus like, yo, 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 yo. It's your guys who did this. Fix it. <laughs> Remember what Jesus said? Not my time. 
I love this. I love this story. Mary goes, yeah, never mind that. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. See, there's a time where you just begin pulling on what Papa has said about your life. Does it look like much? No. Does it look like you're preaching to 100? No, you might be just preaching to one. Does it look, does it look significant? No. I even think to it back to when I first came to New England. I remember, I promised the Lord, I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere all the time. I have given my life to you. I will never say no. Wow. I don't care if it's a big crowd or a little crowd. I was pulled in little tiny little houses. I went, I, 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 wore, I wore it out. I just kept going, 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 because all I wanted to see was the kingdom of God everywhere. And it was not made up of size. It was made up of individuals and people who Jesus loved. I met Miles and Lisa in one of those houses. See, what Papa wants to release in and through you, you got to start. And you got to stop questioning how. How is never, never a word, never a word with God. Never ask God how. The question to God is where and when. And generally what he will do is he will, we will think, and in our own minds, we will conceive of a future date, and God's saying, now. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I, I was a part of a movement that, that basically taught that you have to be all healed up in order to minister. I, I found out pretty shortly, I, I, I pastored, planted churches with them, but the reality is, is I found out, you know what, the further I go in life, the more messed up I find I am. I'm never going to be able to be healed enough to minister to anybody. If I just wait for that wonderful day, you are healed up. That is such a statement. Listen, you need to hear me. That's a statement of control from people who are afraid of actually releasing people into their destinies in God. And that God actually might use people who are going to run much further than you with all the issues that are in their life. If you don't know that one, look around you a little bit in the kingdom of God today. And you'll find people who have all kinds of things happening in their life. But Papa uses them. Are you with me? The nature of the kingdom is filled with grace. And in order to be filled with grace, there are some issues. Or there would be no grace required. Hello. And so it's learning how to apprehend that which God has. I was in Poland back uh, about a month ago. I think, I, I can't even remember anymore, but it was in, I think it was about a month, month and a half. I, we've been just in the midst of, Meetings and gatherings. Any, was anybody here down with Heidi? And uh, down in, yeah, wasn't that awesome? Um, how many of you, did any of you come when Surprise was at our house? I know Miles did. Yeah. That's funny. Eh? Um, but before that, I was in Poland. And uh, there was a word that was given. Uh, that, that just rocked me. You ever been rocked by something that it changes your theology? 
Even though your theology is correct, it was like the Lord makes it more correct. You know, it's, it's what we're, Paul was shown a more excellent way. There's a more, I'm sorry, that was a pause. He was shown a more excellent way. More excellent. What's more excellent? What's more excellent? And, um, and so I heard this word that talked about the miraculous power of God, which some of us might have seen. Uh, I've seen many miracles in my life, but I never really fully understood um, the significance or actually, um, in my own mind, I was limiting what I saw as a miracle. So I'd seen people come out of wheelchairs. I've seen, I mean, many, many, many people come out of wheelchairs. I've seen people um, uh, metal removed from people's bodies. I've seen broken bones healed. I've seen deaf mutes from birth in their 50s and 60s healed. I've seen the blind see. All those, I've seen them all. They're miracles. They're truly, there's no way a human can do them. But some of them have, have actually, there's been a part of it that I've engaged myself in that um, to such a degree that I've realized um, that in, in believing it and in seeing it, I, I was expecting something. But one of the things I found out in Poland was that God doesn't need us for miracles. At all. He doesn't need our agreement. Try and get a dead body to agree with you. One of the thing, greatest things that Surprise shared, this is awesome. People come and they say, well, I want you to agree with me. Or, you know, you didn't have enough faith or whatever else. That's a bunch of bogus whatever. You know why? He said, we pray for the dead. They're raised. They're, 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 they're not, they don't have any faith. It's not about your faith when we pray for you. It's about, the, it's about God coming in. Are you with me? Wow. And so, um, it's the pulverizing effect of what a miracle does. It's, it's the vaporizing of the fire of God that can burn in one day 22,000 bulls. That would take two days for each one. Do you understand that? It's what, it's what Elijah understood on Mount Carmel and why he said, let's make it tough for God. Let's add water. Because when God does a miracle, God's not looking for us to encourage it and make it happen. That when God releases a miracle, it will be a miracle. And when that fire came down and consumed, it wasn't like a burn, 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 burn. It was like, gone. The interesting impact of that whole passage on Mount Carmel, and I'm sharing this for some of those of you, some who can hear, if let him who has ears to hear, hear. I mean this. Because the alternate reaction between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Baal were, oh God, do something. They were frantic. They were intense. They were full of fire. Do something. Nothing. Elijah goes, show them who you are. Wow. And it vaporized that whole thing. 
So that began shifting something inside of me. I began realizing that the realm of miracles, Papa's, Papa's releasing the realm of miracles today. That's what's happening. It's one of the biggest things that's happening. Not just healing. I prayed for the sick many times, but, but, but the miraculous, whoa. And so I have, I have um, a dinner with, with this couple. I mean, it's, it's like a, a, a cafeteria area, and we're all eating together. We all just go get food. We all sit together. And I sat with this couple, and this one, um, uh, one woman was there. She's in a wheelchair, has been in the wheelchair for life. She has cerebral palsy. Her feet are all twisted. She's, all, she's kind of tiny because her, her muscles have completely atrophied. There's nothing, there's nothing of substance in her body at all, uh, except that it's kind of contorted, but she can speak clearly. She was not, she was not incoherent. She was not uh, in any way, didn't, no, no deformity in her mind. Her mind was, was, was all there, but just had this cerebral palsy that just messed up her body completely. And, um, and she tells me that day, she says, yeah, she said, I have, well, the Lord showed me something, first of all, in her. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting, but the Lord wouldn't let me say it at that point. And, and so then she tells me uh, that day, she said, um, yeah, a prophet told me that um, when I go to the United States, I'm going to be healed. And I just kind of tucked that away. I was like, oh, good. Well, we leave the camp, and, and that, that Saturday night, I'm, I'm um, in Warsaw. We move, uh, we're, we're in Warsaw. I'm going to leave on Monday. But Sunday, I'm going to preach in, in the church where this woman actually goes uh, to church, and um, but none of her family does. Well, her husband does, but none of the rest of the family. And um, somebody says, so-and-so is going gonna, is gonna to translate for you. I'm like, okay. I mean, they're all Polish names. I have no clue. I find out that my translator is this woman in a wheelchair. Oh, I didn't tell you this. Saturday night, the Lord says, tomorrow, I want you to speak on miracles. So here I am, I'm getting ready to speak on miracles, but I am, my translator is a woman in a wheelchair. Whoa. I'm like, God, this is not good. This is like total setup, total I don't know what. The pastor, incidentally, during the meeting, he was like, we're never inviting this guy back. He is ruining the whole thing. He's talking about miracles with a crippled woman up there. What, what is he thinking? How painful. We know nothing's going to happen because we've had everybody in the world pray for her and nothing has happened. <laughs> the wife is like, yeah, go, 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 Jenny. I found that out later. <laughs> so I go ahead and I'm preaching on miracles. And I'm like, I can't believe this. And eventually I look over at her, tears are in her eyes. I said, you, you realize that this is a setup. Her husband comes up, and actually we find out that she has seven of her family members there that day, that day. And the Lord tells me something very odd. He said, I don't need anybody to help me. Who's your God? Who's the one who provides for you? No, really. Is it you? Is it your hands? Is it your job? Who's your God? 
Who's your God on your destiny? When he prophesies something to you and says, this is what's going to happen through your life. Who's your God? Is he a God who would lie? Is he a God who basically is making things up? Is he a God who, who absolutely doesn't believe in what is being spoken to you? Is he a God who would prophesy through, through legit prophets and something not happen if God did not intend for it to happen? Is that, is that the God you serve? Because I know this. I know the Papa that I serve, the, the love that I have for Jesus and the love that he has for me. He is not a God that would lie. And when he told me, I want you to go after 6.5 billion, and today that figure is 7.3, I knew he wasn't joking. And I knew when he said, go get my Western bride, he was not asking me to do anything except expend my life more on behalf of the hungry and give my life more into what he's called me to do. That at the end of my day, I'll look and i say, that's what the Western bride looks like. There she is. She's radiant and full of love. She's carrying the full authority of heaven. She walks just like her husband. She is fully engaged in the things of God. See, that's my job. I saw that as my job as a young man. I met Jesus at five, and through the years, he taught me more and more and more. But, but early in my 20s, he began putting something bigger, and I was like, what are you putting on me? And prophetic words started coming. I said, Lord, what is this? And he said, do you believe me? I believe you, God. I believe. I believe. What are you going to do with what you believe? Because let me tell you something. In the Old Testament, the same word, Abraham, it says, obeyed God. New Testament, they translate it, Abraham believed God. If your belief does not result in obedience, you don't really believe it anyways. You're waiting for somebody else to do it. You're waiting for magic on you. You're waiting for, for somebody to zap you so you get a better anointing, so you move in a better way. But I want you to know it's not about the anointing that's coming off of anybody. It's the anointing of Jesus that's in and on your life. And when you begin releasing that, there's going to be an incredible power and a greater release than you've ever known. And you're actually going to have fruit in your life. And stop, stop telling everybody else's stories. You're going to be telling your own stories because Papa God is on you, on you, on you, all over you, through you. And you too will see the things that God had prophesied to you and you'll look back and say remember that prophecy I saw it I remember that one I saw it I saw that I saw that one in the most miserable time of my life but I saw it And in order to see you have to engage you got you got to do a stupid thing like like Elijah did See the miraculous is born to stupid circumstances that are impossible, that for some reason some people believe. We go, oh, yeah, we believe. No problem. Elijah actually had to build the altar and pour the water over. There was something he did have to do in order, in order to reflect, I believe. Are you with me? Wow, I came to the end of the meeting. I looked at the congregation and said, because the Lord told me I don't need anybody's help. I said, I don't want anybody praying. I don't want you agreeing with me. I don't want you to speak in tongues. 
I don't want you to extend your hands. I don't want you to say anything. Because if it's a miracle, it's going to be God and none of us. But then I had to go build the altar. I had to put myself in the stupid place of going, why am I pouring water? And why, what am I really doing? I'm looking at a woman whose body is contorted. I mean, totally contorted. Her feet are, are turned worse than I could ever turn my feet in. Her, her, her whole body is just a mess. I was like, well, if she's going to walk, she's going to have to get out of that thing. So we unstrapped her. And I reached my stupid arm down that has no authority and no power to release anything except love, except obedience. And I reached around her and I picked up her very light body and I'm holding her and her husband was there. I said, just support, support her, don't let her fall. And I began walking with her across the stage, but she's not walking. Her legs are just dragging. There's nothing happening at all. When I'd had dinner with them the night I did at the camp, the Lord gave me a word. He said, She wants three children, but right now she can't have them. But she will have three children. And there in that period of time, I, I realized and I remember when I looked at her, I said, you realize this is a setup. You realize that I cannot preach on miracles and not see you healed. Or at least try. And I said, but I saw a mustard seed in you a few days ago. He wants some, some kids. And I saw the mustard seed where Papa said, I'm going to give you these kids. I said, you're going to have three children. And as I picked her up and I'm walking across, I just go, three kids. Mustard seed. You're going to run with them. You're going to play with them. And I began feeling a little bit of weight happening down here. Her feet are still dragging. Then I watched as her feet turned and straightened out and her limbs straightened out. I went, oh my gosh, what is happening? And let me tell you something. When you begin seeing that Papa's working, and this is not just a healing. This is like, this is so beyond somebody. I feel something. I feel heat. This is like I'm watching. I'm witnessing the transformation of a body that is so maimed and so destroyed. God, this is amazing. You begin weeping, and uh, it was crazy. And and I went to. I got all the way to the one edge of the stage, and I turned around, and I went went back, and I walked about halfway back. And by that time, she's shuffling, still holding her. And then I pulled back and I watched her run like a little baby. And I looked out at the quiet congregation. Quiet. Tears streaming down all the faces. 
I said, do you remember the word the prophet had? And he said, when you get to America, my papa never says when. He says, today is the day of salvation. When did Jesus ever walk by anybody and say, oh, I'm coming back tomorrow for you? When did he ever, ever come into a situation in your life and say, I'm here now. I am the God who is there. I'm the God who is there. The next morning, when she woke up, I was contacted by both her and her pastor from Poland. They said she woke up, went to get in the shower. She had gold all over her body. Areas of her body that had been so deformed, one place, they said it was a fist deep, literally in the, in the contortion of her body, had completely filled out over the night, and she was completely made whole. That's our God. The God we believe in is not a God that needs to be, oh, how can I put it? Proven. He's God. And that God wants to pull you into the reality tonight of the destiny and purpose that he has for you. It's not going to happen because you go to more meetings. It's not going to happen because you have more prophetic words. I keep getting prophetic words, but I don't really want any more. My plate is full. See, I look at a prophetic word as something on my plate. You want me to do what? That too? That too? Lord, you're increasing my vision. Yep, daily. I want you to understand how big of a God I am. That all you need is me. But you just keep moving. You just keep moving. You just keep moving. You just keep. You, you go to the one in front of you. You go to the one, as Heidi would say, across the street. Or as Sean Foyt would say in the Dunkin' Donuts. You go, you go, you go, you go, you go. You go share with them Jesus. You give them Jesus. You love them. The mean ones. Oh, man, I was, I was somewhere. I was paying for something. And, the, and I looked at this woman. Boy, she looked like she was, I don't know. I'm glad I wasn't married to her. <laughs> I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, she'll reject everything you say. So go ahead and pay your bill first. So I paid the bill. And then I looked at her and I said, I have to tell you something today. She said, what? I said, Jesus is so in love with you. Have a great day. And I left. Because I knew she wouldn't receive anything and she wanted to. Reject everything. But I wanted to leave her with, the, with that ringing in her ears. Are you with me? There are other times it's very different. You get to pray for people. But tonight, how many of you have received prophetic words? How many of you have not received a prophetic word? 
ever. Whoa, we are well prophesied. <laughs> so in other words, every single one of you has a piece of destiny that yet is in front of you. Are you with me? So tonight, I'm not going to pray for prophetic release. There may be some prophetic stuff happening, but I'm not praying for that. What I'm going to pray for is actually the only thing, the only thing the early church prayed for. Early church never prayed for more love. It's a good song. More love, more power. It's an old one, but it's good. They never prayed for more power. Never. How many of you want more love? How many of you want more power? Those are cool. It's good to have more love. It's good to have more power. But guess what? The early church never prayed for that. They only pray for one thing. Lord, grant your servants boldness. Take the chicken out of us. Take the cowardice out of us. Take the thing out of us, Lord, that, that absolutely is ashamed of you, whether we say so or not, but we just don't want to represent you all the time. We, we, we just feel like there's appropriate places and inappropriate places. I want you to know it's always appropriate to share the love of your life who's Jesus. Your doctor needs to know about Jesus. Your teacher. Your political guys in town, your neighbors, everybody needs to know about Jesus Everybody. And the only thing that will get Jesus out of here, the only thing, the only thing that will unleash awakening in this nation, the only thing, is not another, we don't need Todd White here. We don't need another Todd White. We don't need you to become Todd White. I'm just picking on Todd. It's you. It's you. The only thing that will get Jesus out of, the, out of these places is you. The only thing that will unrestrict him to this world, it's us. We are we are the ones who move in his name. He shared his name with us. We are in him. When we move, he moves. When we speak, he speaks. Whoa. So stand. So one of the things I want to mention to you, this is real. Some of you may not feel like you're adequate in what you're called to do. 
When I was 25, I planted my first church. In Africa, they're planting them at 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. Really. India too. They were looking for, they were not looking. And listen, pastors are not fathers. That's called elders. They're shepherds. They're people who will take care of others. They'll love people. And Papa's going to raise, I want you to know that one of the signs of the coming move of God is that it's not going to look like the last move of God. It's not going to be about old people. I'm old. But I believe what's going to happen is that there's going to be an incredible release on the young. And we're going to go, run. We're following you. We're with you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to be one of those old guys that's keeping up with the horses and the chariots. Huh. Wow. I planted the first church I planted with somewhere between three and five chords on a guitar. I know you listen to Bethel and everybody else. That's probably more than three or five chords. And I know that the standard for some is until we can do it like that, it's not adequate. Well, you can tell that to the people who met Jesus, who experienced God, some who were afraid in the meetings because the presence of God was so strong, where God healed people. You can tell that to them that the three chords and five chords didn't work. You could tell to the people that said, I've never been in an anointing like this in my life, and I've been in some crazy big churches. All I'm trying to do is I want to lower the bar for some of you. Because Papa will raise the bar at the appropriate time. I'm not telling you not to increase, not to grow. But I'm telling you that what you're called to do, you're not called to do next year, next week, or 20 years from now. That what he's spoken over your life is for now. And these are yes and amen promises. This is where he, he speaks to us and he says, I want you to know, I'm going to put you in front of people. You're going to teach them. You're going to pull them out of the streets. Some of them are going to be really mean, but they're going to fall in love with Jesus. And so I would go. I'd go hang out with gangs. That's what I did in California. I had guns pulled, pulled on me. I had them surrounding me, telling me they, they were going to kill me. I was like, well, if I die, I'm going to die doing what Jesus told me to do. How precious in the sight of God is the death of one of his saints. Come on. I'm going to take over the streets. It was a word I had. In fact, all of you have been given that word. It's in Isaiah. You'll be repairers of the breach, restorers of the streets in which to dwell. You've been called to the nations. Oh, I don't have money. Stop, stop, stop. 
You're asking the how again. When do you want me to go? Next week. Right, Armin? The guy with the beard. I can't tell you how many times he comes up to me. Yeah, I'm supposed to go with you to Poland this week. You have a ticket? No. How are you getting the ticket? I don't know. I'm just supposed to go. It'll be there. I'll have it. Come on. Are you with me? Or South Africa? Or Atlanta? When am I supposed to go reach the people in the streets? Well, how about like now? How about if we stop processing how we're going to do this? Because nobody knows how to do what God does anyways. But how is not your question. When? Where? Lord, I'll fall in that direction if you want me to go to Africa. And I don't have money. If I don't have a ticket, I'm going to, and you tell me when to go, I'm going. I'll go to the airport. It's exactly how Roland and Heidi first ended up in the nations. Driving to the airport, being pulled over in their car with somebody saying, you need this money. See, the miracles happen not before you go. So anybody got some dreams that you, you want to see happen? Or Papa said he's going to use you? Some of you are going, I'm too old now. This will be my last story. Then we're going to minister. So I was with Surprise in Africa. And I was talking about a woman that I know who, back in the early 80s, she was called to go, go to the Muslims and she never went. As a result, in her body, well, I shouldn't even say as a result, just the reality is, in her body today, she is so physically mm, needing healing, she is a mess. I mean, she literally is in and out of uh, occasions where almost, like, are you going to die? I mean, her age has aged everything, and she's in pain all the time, can't eat everything. But I remember when she shared the vision, I'm called to go to the Muslims in the Middle East. I remember that. I remember the fire. I remember her going to conference after conference, wanting to go and, and, and learn how can I reach the Muslims. And she was ready to go to the nations. But she never went. And so today, she's a woman about my age. Actually, I think she's a couple years older. She's never been, and her life is a disaster. She has no money. She's got nothing. And she came to me, she says, what should I do? And I shared this story with her about a, a pastor in Africa who, who originally was told, he was a city dweller, and, and the Lord told him, he says, I want you to go to this remote area and plant a church. And, and he was like, Lord, I'm a, I live in the city, I'm not good in the country, and nobody lives there. That's just like beyond, it's like Maine. And he said, um, he didn't go. And his body got worse and worse and worse with all kinds of physical things. Eventually, he couldn't even walk. People had to carry him places. And, and he, was, he was pretty much close to death. And a prophet showed up in, the, in, in town and, and looked at him and said, you're supposed to go to that city. 
He said, I can't. Look at me. I, look at my condition. I'm, 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 I, there's no way I can go. I'll die. And he goes, no, I'm telling you, you have to go to that city. You better get people to carry you to that city. You need to go to that city. So people took him to the city. And as they're taking him out of the vehicle, as, literally as they're taking him out of the vehicle, he's 100% healed. 100%. He goes on to begin planting a church in this remote area where nobody is. Today, he has the largest church facility in the world. It's in Guinness Book of World Records. 50,000 people in one facility. They've started five major schools, colleges, universities, everything. Wow. A whole city is forged around them. Never second guess, Papa. He likes the realm of the miraculous. Is that cool? So I looked at her. I shared the story and I said, I think you need to get to the Middle East. I think you need to get there pretty quick or you're going to die. And you're going to miss everything Papa had for you. But I'm so old. You need to get to the Middle East. Your answer is not going to be found in New England or anywhere else on this planet until you go to where Papa put inside your heart. So what I want to ask you tonight is what did Papa put inside your heart? Because we're going to ask him to pull it into now. We're going to ask him to turn the water into wine now, even though, even though you're not ready, even though you don't think it's time, even though that woman said, I won't be healed until I get to the U United States. I want you to know we're going to pull things, pull things, into, into something tonight where things are going to begin and we're going to see people released in New England and the bride is going to start looking like the bride and the dreams that you have that Papa put inside of you, the visions are going to begin happening. Okay? In one second, I want to say, I'm going to say something and then we're going to pray. I'm going to be really blunt. You all right? Uh, we need a worship leader here, now. He sewed his daughter to go to school. She's amazing, Victoria. And some things are shifting and moving, and people are moving. And as a result, the reality is, I believe God, God spoke a word to me the last time I was here that this place would explode. I told him and told Lisa, Every word of God is tested. Reality is, is that most people don't like tests. When the testing's happening, bye. But the reality is, is what Papa wants to release in this hour and in this place to me is huge. And in the realm of worship, I believe it's going to be one of the most amazing places for worship. So if you play three chords... Five chords. If you can meet Jesus in your worship. Some of you may not even feel committed here forever. Join the club. I'm committed to Jesus forever. But if it's something that you can be a part of to say, let's get them through all this stuff. I want you to come in and, and jump in and talk to Miles or Lisa. 
okay? Open your hands up. Or tonight. Tonight. Do you remember the hand that touched you earlier? you remember the person who was holding your hand? Do you remember the power that was there? That's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the commissioning power. That's where God says, I am, I am on you, in you, through you. I'm flowing all through you. That's where God calls us out of darkness and sets us in a new place. And he says, I want you to forget the past because until you forget the past, you're never going to look into the future. And it's always going to be a stumbling block to you. And the past looks like a stumbling. And the pa- and, but, it, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus looks at the future. And Jesus doesn't look at what you were. He looks at who you are and who he's making. And as a son, and you will know what it means to be a son. Because son is critical for you. And I release all over your life and over every person's life right now tonight in this room. I release a place, a place that's not a recovery place. A miraculous place. Where the kingdom of God with power is flowing through our lives. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Where the breakthrough of heaven is releasing a boldness in us that will not quit. That the dreams in front of us are as important as any dream that any man has ever had, any woman has ever had. They're as important as the dreams of of a Heidi Baker or a Todd White or anybody else that you want to think of. The dreams that Papa put inside of you are the dreams of God. They're not your dreams. The visions that he's put inside of you, the visions to teach, the visions to preach, the visions to go to the nations, those are the dreams of God. Those are the dreams of God, and they are valuable, and I pull them out now. I restore them now. I call you into a place now, now, a fiery place, a fiery place, a place of destiny, now, now. Forget the naysayers. If I'd listened to the naysayers, I would never have done what I did. I promise you. They were all saying no. They were all saying, even the big important ones. I invited some of them to my conferences and they told me, they said, oh, that, oh, oh, that's just too, too deep. That needs to go in, in just leadership circles. But the Lord told me. And he asked me, who told you to do this? I said, you did. He said, well, then what's the question? What's the question? Why are you questioning what the naysayers are saying? When your heroes, when your heroes can't see the dream in you, it's your promotion. Let me tell you why. Because God's breaking down an understanding of following heroes where you begin following Jesus and listening to his voice and listening to his voice. So step, 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 step. Begin. Start. 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 Call to the nation. Start. Look it up online. Check the price of a ticket. Find out when the next mission trip is, if somebody's doing that. Find out what it is. Just begin. Start. Start. Go get your passport. Get a long one. 
but you don't understand. I'm not allowed to. That'll never happen for me because of, of things in my past. Oh, do you know who God is? Do you know how many times God changes records? <laughs> Come on. 